This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 349 of the Yellow Wall Pod. I'm your host Stefan Butzko and today we will talk about Dortmund securing first place in Group F of the Champions League, the potential opponents in the round of 16 and why Lucien Favre dubbed VfB Stuttgart's attacking schemes as quote extremely dangerous. For all that and more joins me the one and only Konstantin Eckner. Hello Konstantin, it is a pleasure to have you on for this show. How are you doing? It's been a pleasure to be back on the Yellow Wall Pod. What's up, Stefan? Uh, not much. What have you been up to? Well, kind of a lot of things, you know, stuff. You know, doing doing my doing my journalism thing. I believe. <laughs> no, um, uh, seriously, like uh, a lot of interviews recently done for a number of outlets. Um, launched a new podcast with Abel Mezarosh. You can check that out. The football part on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify. Apple Podcast, you know. Um, yeah, still still on YouTube for the German listeners. Yeah, so a lot of stuff, um, as you can imagine. Yeah, that's great. Uh, please check that podcast out. I will too when I get the chance. When you get the chance, you know. Yes. You don't have to pay for it, you, you know. Moving on. So Borussia Dortmund mm. won 2-1 in St. Petersburg. Um, it was, uh, let's say, industrious win. Uh, any big takeaways other than 2.7 million of extra prize money and first spot in Group F, Mr. Eckner. Uh, thank you, Mr. Butchko. Um, no, I, I mean, like, the, the, the match told the story we have seen um, in Dortmund matches quite frequently, especially in the Champions League, I believe. It's uh, meaning that, like, especially there's a certain inconsistency when it comes to um, closing down spaces, shutting down passing lanes, stuff like that. You know, this is like not the basic defensive stuff, but um, stuff that should work for a top level team for you know what I thought would be a potential um, semi-final contender or something like that. Um, I'm not sure about it anymore, but um, yeah, Dortmund, there's there's just some inconsistency with, in terms of um, their defensive structure and um, I don't know how, how things work uh, more or less and they often don't work organically and so that's why once again, I know how many times in a row um, at this time, but uh, once again they were trailing um, came back this time, all right. Um, it's a great win on the other end. Like, um, I think I, I would have enjoyed it more if uh, they had a Bundesliga match like that where they came back from uh, from behind and won. Um, <laughs> winning against uh, Zenit, it's nice. Yeah, won the group. Of course, that's important. So you might get, you might, you know, uh, really, you might get an easier opponent in the round of 16, but even, you, you're not really sure if that's really what's what's going to happen um, because there are some weird results you know um in some groups at least so but yeah more or less um just the same same thing again as in many other Champions League matches this year 
Yeah, before we talk about potential opponents, obviously, uh, quickly, we have to mention at least that uh, Yusuf Amokoko now is also the youngest uh, debutant in uh, Champions League history with 16 years and 18 days. That was somehow uh, expected, I think, but I expected a little bit more, <laughs> if that makes sense, uh, had Dortmund already sealed the deal against Lazio uh, in the previous week. But uh, yeah, you can see that A. Lucien Favre right now trusts the youngster uh, to play a couple of minutes. And on the other hand, I think that's also down to the fact that um, Dortmund don't really have that many players left to stop in at this point. Um, but uh, at least this time, Lucien Favre did make uh, full use of his bench and made five substitutions. Uh, Ansgar Knauf also made his professional debut for Dortmund. Uh, Konstantin, what can you say about Ansgar Knauf for people who do not know him very well since he literally just emerged and uh, I think a couple days or weeks ago, not not that long ago, signed his uh, professional contract with the Black and Yellows? Yeah, but first of all, I mean, I also um, had, uh, like we are recording this on uh, Thursday to pull back a little bit the curtain here um ooh, and ooh, i uh, <laughs> but only a little bit like only a sneak peek um <laughs> but, I, but i had a i had another um, no, I, I, I i i want to keep the mystery alive that we're in a timeless void here <laughs> yeah we are recording this in a black hole it's also called uh, stefan's basement um but uh no, seriously. we're also recording it in your attic or basement or wherever you're sitting oh it's my ravishly you know, the signed apartment here in Berlin, of course. <laughs> but, you know, coming back, I just wanted to mention that I, that I had, a, had a large profile piece about uh, Mukuku Times, which was, which I wrote, what was it, three weeks ago, because, uh, you know, I expected that he would become the youngest uh, Champions League player. I had to postpone that a little bit and wait, I had to wait for uh, finally him making his debut in the Champions League. Um, yeah, at some point I thought like maybe he, he becomes at one point the oldest Champions League player to have a debut uh, because it, it took him a while. Um, but yeah, it was was great to see him on the pitch. Um, although, I mean, he had like one chance where he was really close to scoring. So he would have also been the youngest goal scorer in U UCL history. Uh, but that's something you can still achieve, of course. Um... Now about Ansgar Knauf, who I coined the best Ansgar since Brinkmann. Ansgar Brinkmann, the Bielefeld legend. Well, how many and, Ansgars uh, are out there? What's the competition? <laughs> there, there's like a, a huge competition among uh, middle-aged German men um, living in, uh, you know, North Rhine-Westphalia or something like that. I, I believe that wholeheartedly. I think there are a lot of Ansgars out there, um, but they they, they are, have have been retired, you know, for a while actually. Um, but you know, uh, what I like about Ansgar Knopf is the following: um, he played for uh, SFG Göttingen um, in 2015 when I was studying in Göttingen. So um, obviously, he's one of the best players in the world, just by you know connection, uh, um, the city connections there. You know, um, yeah. The, he, the closer you live to Konstantin, the better you get, which is why Union Berlin and Hertha are just uh, beating everyone at this moment. No, I mean that's why Union are so strong. You know, I, I visited their stadium uh, sh shortly before they became the force they are now. <laughs> um, basically, it's, you know, the the best team beyond the big guys. Um, but about but Knauf, 
he came to Dortmund in 2016. He wasn't like he wasn't like the the guy that was a, not a much not a lot of rave about him um, for a while. Um, but I don't know um, someone who's really technically sound. So that's something I think that that works in his favor. Um, I don't know if he will be a breakthrough star um, because, as I said, like there's. I'm. How should I phrase it? Like, he's not like exceptional in any in any department, in my opinion. He's very fast, so so that's that's something that works in his favor because he's usually playing as an attacking winger. He could also play as a fullback or as a wingback. Um, so, I mean, quickness, yes, yes, that going for him. But I mean, there are other players, you know, same thing. Like especially today, there are so many quick um, players on the outside. So. But I think, like, what, what Farfer likes about him, he's very reliable. That's also something uh, what stood out when you watched him playing for Dortmund's um, youth setup, is that he was really reliable, and much more reliable than maybe other, you know, other guys at his age. So I think that's also something that, that helps him. Um, as I said, like, like nothing, like, too exceptional, you know? He's not, like, um, from the same mold as, like, the Girenas and Erling Hollands and, of course, Yusufa Mokukus. Although Mokuku, in a way, you know, he's also, he's, like, very good in, in many departments, but maybe not exceptional in any. Um, so... I'm I'm intrigued to see what's what will happen with Knauf. I think he might be relegated back to um back to the reserve team, to the second team, uh once you know there are some guys coming back from injury. Um because I don't think there's there's any it doesn't make sense to just keep him on the bench for a lot of matches. Um so I, I'm I'm not sure because I mean, as you guys have discussed in previous episodes, um, which I've all listened to, of course, sure. um you you uh, Dortmund have a, have a lot of injuries right now, especially on the wings. There are guys guys missing right now, or even on the back line. So I mean, it's good to have him because he's reliable and and has like the basic, the fundamentals of a of a good to very good Bundesliga player. So there you go. Yeah, that's uh, all I needed to hear. Uh, I mean, you can't obviously mount too much expectations on him right no. now, anyway, since he's only eighteen years old and literally just signed. <laughs> Which is funny, right? He's only 18 years old, or he's already 18 years old, I know. given what's what's going on at Dortmund, right? I, I know, I know, but uh, <laughs> I still think 18 is young, <laughs> uh, even even if there are a lot of younger. I mean, you just had your birthday, so what can you say? Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, I mean, Bellingham is 17, and the way he plays is uh, beyond his years. So if you just look at him. Uh, you you could think that 18 might be a very old age if you were an alien coming out of space and uh, that was your only uh, point of reference obviously um but uh <laughs> no uh i don't i don't think there's too much to say uh, about this game because uh, i actually found it quite boring i mean yes the uh, the the goal by lukas pischek was obviously nice a nice uh, abstauber and uh, Axel Witzel scoring against his former club uh, and uh, inflicting the curse of the X once uh, from the Dortmund point of view instead of the other way around it was very nice. I actually didn't saw the ball going in uh, because it was uh, squeezed past the post so tightly that I thought he hit the side netting. But uh, no, it was yeah. it, it was a goal and uh, it was rather well taken. I don't know if Dortmund have scored yet from out of the box in the Bundesliga, but uh, I. In the Champions League, they must have with the uh, Jaden Sancho free kick. 
and uh, now this um, this is uh, actually very uncommon I feel like for Dortmund to to take a shot from outside the box but maybe describes a little bit how Dortmund failed to penetrate the uh, Zenit box uh, on on a regular basis other than with set pieces and sort of uh, describes a little bit that troubles how um, they you know failed to create chances on a on a greater scale let's say um, but yeah it, it was a nice shot it was kind of weird because uh, the ball he received uh, at the edge of the box wasn't really that perfectly aimed at him and he struggled to control it but no one attacked him and then he just set himself up and took the shot and yeah it goes in that's that's just very weird and I don't really understand why Zenit's players were so passive maybe they just didn't Whoa. expect it <laughs> But yeah, I mean, they, they were like more like, all right, try, come come on, try it. They, they were like, oh, they, they, it's, come, come on, try it. Sh- shoot it, shoot it to the roof, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like he did uh, in Frankfurt. So, yeah, maybe. Like he, he usually does. <laughs> yeah. They, 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 watch, they, they know him and they watch some tape and they were like, all right, let, let's, let's just shoot him. Then we, we have free ball. Yeah, but this one fluke, it went in. So, um, yeah. Hmm. Um, other than that, notable, I guess, is that Hummels had to be subbed off uh, and uh, might be injured for the uh, game against Stuttgart. And uh, yeah, but we can talk about that in a minute now. Um, obviously, for the round of 16, there are, of, of course, a couple of sides that Dortmund can draw, but not too many, as uh, a lot of other German sides qualified. Or all of them. That means that uh, Dortmund can only meet five other teams, which are Atletico, Porto, Atalanta, Sevilla and Barcelona. So a lot of Spanish sides, one Italian and one Portuguese. Um, Who do you want Dortmund to pick and who do you think Dortmund should avoid if they want to go through? Uh, They they should definitely avoid uh, Atletico. Surprise, surprise, I know. I mean, there's like the, I have like two opinions on this one, um, which I know. Yeah, and so they should avoid Atletico, of course. I think Atalanta can be tricky. You know, um, it's like a it's not a high profile. I know Atalanta is like beloved by people, but it's still like not a high profile match, and you could get out or you could could lose there and be knocked out. So could I don't know. A shootout, Some, I think. That's also yeah. I mean, which would be entertaining at least, but but it's still it's like one of these matches. Like when you when you are uh, in the in the cup, for instance, the national cup. You know, you're a se- second division side, and you draw the, the 15th of the first division. You know, it's not a high profile match, but you lose. So, so something like that. So I don't know if that that would be something. Um, I mean, of course, you can you know Porto or something. Um, but I think also what would be interesting for Dortmund is to play Barcelona. Care to explain? I think Dortmund they can beat Barcelona. I know Barcelona; they are in shambles. It's it's, it's horrible. In we know the story. Still, it's it would be a big win for Dortmund to beat them. So, in terms of reputation, so I like I like that match in a way because now they are beatable. Why not Dortmund being the team that that beats them? Um, and also like. What if they lose against Lionel Messi and like Lionel Messi had like one of these these days and he scores like two or three goals? Then it's not that bad, you know. Then he's like, all right, best player ever, or maybe second best player ever. Um, so, yeah, um, I, I guess that there would be something uh, because uh, before the season, I was I was on a like a little expert panel from the BBC and they asked me like, who could, who are the, uh, what what could the German teams achieve, you know? Uh, 
And I was like, yeah, I mean Dortmund? Or no, I was asked to, who could be the dark horses of this uh, Champions League season? And I was like, maybe Dortmund. You know, because Dortmund, they are able to beat every team on a good day. Um, unfortunately, they don't have many good days <laughs> right now. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not sure if Dortmund are still the dark horses. So I don't think that they will be anywhere close to the, uh, to the final. Um, so I think like it would be much, much more fun to have like a high profile match or something and w- uh, win them. Um, a problem with Atletico is like you lose against Atletico and you got also like five players on the injured list afterwards. So I don't know. Well, five additional players, yes. Five additional, of course. Additional to the already 15 players you have there. So basically, then then Ansgat now will be the, the captain. I asked uh, other listeners as well. People want Dortmund to play against Porto. I think this is widely regarded as the uh, easiest draw. Um, and yeah, I, I personally yeah. just want to avoid Sevilla because I've got very bad memories from this one Europa League sure. tie in which Marcel Schmelzer got sent off. Etc. Um, so that was uh, an epic shit housing of uh, Sevilla, and I don't need to live through that again ever. So uh, please just spare me, dear God. So yeah, that's that's pretty much it. So uh, Dortmund sort of uh, limped on one leg into the uh, round of sixteen. Uh, I don't, I don't think their group stage performance overall, if you want to assess it. Uh, was uh, too glorious. I mean, they they lost to to Lazio uh, away and then drew, and yeah, Bruges was not really an opponent uh, that Dortmund had to take too seriously. I mean, away Bruges was uh, a little bit tricky here and there, but overall, uh, you know, it, I think it was the team from Pot Four, and uh, it looked that way. And then it, yeah, what can you say um, about the Russian champions? That was a bit. Uh, embarrassing almost a bit pathetic I, I thought they would be a bit more competitive but uh, clearly they are not and hence they are not even going to go to the Europa League so there's that uh, I'm I'm glad to to leave this behind us and then maybe have a interesting run of 16 and maybe even make the quarterfinals which is uh, at current form the furthest I can imagine or envision Dortmund to go so there's that. Now um, back to the Bundesliga, where Dortmund right now need to <laughs> keep pace with the Leverkusen's, Leipzig's, and Bayern's of the world, as they have uh, fallen down to fourth place. Before we talk about the game against Stuttgart, Konstantin, what, in your opinions, are the reasons for Dortmund's uh, recent plummet and drop-off points, form, etc.? Well, I mean, they just don't know how to. Uh, get any pace into their attacks, uh, especially the first builder phase. Um, that's like kind of the the main weakness, the main weak spot, uh, especially because the structural issues they have, like with the back three, um, they are the, the defenders are too close to each other. That um, but they are still like they're still vulnerable to pressing. So they, they basically you have an additional defender, but you're still not not able to um, beat a high press, even if you outnumber the high press. So um, that's kind of kind of the main issue, in my opinion. Um, then you get a couple of uh, positional issues on the wings. Um, I mean, even with Munier out, I think like the other guys try to copy Munier um, because Munier, what he does or what he did, uh, in the matches he played, he's like he's he's advancing too early. Then he has to track back again. Now then 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 when he re- receives the ball, 
bad first touch. I'm also usually only able to play and, and a backwards usually pass. Is, is, is too deep <laughs> after tracking back. I've yeah, of course. I mean that like he overcompensates in a way. Um because he's also like he's 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 one of these guys who is a bit all over the place uh with his running. Um it's also not as precise sometimes or often. Um so there's something, but even the other running backs, I mean like like Nico Schultz like is f- famous for what I call a 50-50 touch, which is either it's pretty good or it's really, really bad. Um, and often enough, like, he has, like, one of these bad touches and, like, barely gets the ball to the next guy uh, without turning over the ball. Um, because, of course, he, he knows that, like, that would be a disaster. So um, so he's not really reliable in build-up. There's no um, Guerrero, which you need, especially when you play a back three, because then you need, like, one of the ringbacks being more engaged in, like, or being actually acting like an additional center midfielder to compensate a bit for the... Um, for the lack of an of a third um, uh, center midfielder, so also um, that's something that that hurts them. So they get they get no no pace uh, into their attacks. Um, and what what's then going on is like something. I, it's, it's not like that that it's it's a Dortmund specialty, um, but it's still something that we have witnessed a lot over the course of the past two, three, four years maybe, is like then when they have like these these very slow and even plodding performances and slow pos- spells of possession, then they tend to, to, you know, to make mistakes, to make these unforced errors almost, um, to be caught uh, on the wrong foot at times after or when turning over the ball then they have they don't have a, too many people behind the ball because what you what you have to do often enough is if you advance you know if you if you basically gain space and advance through the, through the field or up down the field um, what you usually do is like the moment you maybe gain 10 yards or something a, a very good team like basically has still the kind of structure behind the ball so that if you lose it you still have an, enough people or an, you know enough people close to the ball to counter press so like very good teams do that uh, basically that's like um what what Germans like what German coaches call like up uh, absichern, like securing a possession and uh, not securing possession in, in terms of like you know having a good first touch but more like all right we secure our position in that moment um, and we secure also our position, our field position, in case we lose the ball. And that's also something Dortmund, if they don't have any success, you know, offensively, if they don't get any breakthroughs, then they kind of, you know, they they on um, they are over eager at at some point, and and then they make also these these additional mistakes and invite opponents to counter and. There are a couple of Bundesliga teams who are really good or at least decent at countering. Um, and Dortmund gives them four, five, six opportunities over the course of like 60 minutes or so to counter. And, you know, often enough they score from, from one or two of these situations. Um, of course, in addition to that, I mean, you got, you saw it against Cologne, like set-piece defending is also a problem. Uh, and an additional one and also like a concerning one because you should be better at, at set-piece defending. Um, but I think the Frankfurt match was more about the, the fundamental and structural issues Dortmund have. Um, so I think that's that's even more something to watch again. Maybe if you want to understand what's going what's going wrong right now. Um, ob- obviously, I mean you can 
point to some of the injuries, especially like Erling Haaland. But I think in a way what Holland Holland did uh, early in the season before for the first um, eight eight matches or so um, before he got injured was that he compensated some of these he, he almost masked some of the issues because what you can do usually is like play these long through balls to him and he's like able to get them through to squeeze them through the backline basically but that's also down to or that's mostly down to his individual ability and the, this to his skill set uh, but it's not like there's it's um it's showing the structural superiority of Dortmund it's more like all right we have this right extremely talented striker who as opposed to other world-class strikers like Lewandowski might not be the best one with his back towards the opposing goal, but he's one of the best one with facing the opposing goal. So he's one of the the best forward-moving strikers you you ever see, or you can you can watch right now in world football. So um, of course you can use that, and he's really fast. And he can uh, he can outpace a lot of uh, defenders, and that's that's all good and well. And why not? I mean, you have these guys. You have also other guys who are the, the kind of very talented in, in acting as a second wave behind Holland. Uh, but still, if you have structural issues, then um, and and the, maybe your main striker is out, then you can't really do anything, and uh, you are helpless in a way. Um, so, and I think that's going on because other teams, like really world-class teams, even the, even Bayern, like, of course, I mean, if Lewandowski is injured, they have, like, really trouble. Um, but still, they, they could they could overcome that. Um, maybe not against the best teams in Europe, but against a lot of teams uh, because they, their, their structure, um, their, their build-up structure is still very good, uh, even without Lewandowski. Um, so, and they can slot in someone else and, you know, act as a, as a Lewandowski light. But uh, with Dortmund, I mean, first of all, who's the who's the Erling Holland light? No <laughs> one is there. Um, like Johan Brandt, yeah, of course. Uh, why not? Like he's also blonde. So yeah, <laughs> there you go. Um, no, but that's not that's not working. Also, first of all, and even if like, if you have like a like a mini me of of uh, Erling Holland, why not? I mean, there there are some strikers out there, you know, like like basically like tier two, tier three strikers who are who could act like that. Uh, but even then, like, um, it's not possible because, like, you have structural issues you, you have to overcome. And that's not something you can do just, you know, um, playing Wednesdays and, and Saturdays. And I mean, there was time before the season, but didn't do that really well. Um, they did do well, f- you know, early on the season, I think. Although you got the Augsburg match and there was like, there was the sign, the sign that my, uh, things would get, get uh, weird again um, at some point. So, yeah. Um, I think that it's just something that that will not be solved anytime soon. Um, and yeah, I mean, who knows? But uh, I think that like there will it will be a couple of hard weeks uh, moving forward, and maybe they can score a couple of wins still. But you you also don't have a winter break now uh, because the, the last match is the cup match on twenty second. Um, then you got, got a couple of Christmas days where everyone gets fat. <laughs> um, and then you are back on the second of January, uh, next the, the next match day because of Corona they had to tighten up the schedule um, in in Germany, which is unusual for Germany, but they had to this this year so or this season. So um, so there's also no time to to do any like let's say post post Hinrunde analysis or something like that. Um, so yeah, yeah uh, no I don't expect any, any, any changes. What? No trips to Juan Mabea to iron out the no, kids. No, not this time. Not this time. 
I mean, also it wouldn't be possible probably because of because of Verona, but yeah. So um, yeah, um, kind of kind of disillusional uh, or disillusioned um, kind of assessment right now. <laughs> I want to actually stay on that topic a little bit because something that really annoys me to no end right now uh, when mm -hmm. I watch Dortmund play in the first half, especially is that there are no forward runs really, and uh, I have a question. That you can maybe answer, maybe not, because uh, it's uh, it's very much in the details. But um, what hmm. do you think should or or would normally trigger a forward run? Because, um, like you said, Dortmund's build up right now is very very slow, and I think that's a very correct takeaway from the last couple of weeks that Dortmund just take forever, be it the first phase of build up or the second phase of build up. And uh, today at the news conference, uh, Michael Zog was uh, asked about uh, Julian Brandt's uh, qualities and I think uh, uh, Lucien Favre as well. And uh, basically they said that, uh, you know, one is of his qualities are uh, through balls and passes, uh, you know, ver vertical balls. But uh, then I, I realized, well, uh, how is this guy ever to gain any form if there are no runs to play these kind of balls for <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's it's it maybe simplifying things a little bit, but I I do think that there's a problem that Dortmund are very stale and static, and uh, you talk about structural issues, and uh, obviously if your three attackers often just stand by their markers and not really move around and offer a run into the box or or anywhere behind the line, I I think that that uh, is is making things even harder. So back to my question, Constantine, because. Um, usually in, in football you have certain sequences uh, where players start to take a run. Sometimes it's instinct, but sometimes it's also a scheme. Do you think that uh, whatever is supposed to trigger a forward run by, by certain players into the box or whatever space, uh, that uh, the, the, the schemes for that just aren't happening often enough? I just like there's like a, a kind of an issue is that um, you can also be like over eager in a way that like you make too many forward runs in a in a, like a given in a, in one sequence basically you know it's true um, but not then, the case you, <laughs> sorry I said that's true but I I don't think that's the case and unless no I'm it's not the case but it's not the case but like some some teams are um, and I know the hard thing for me to assess is like who's like Who's making the decisions, basically, you know? Uh, is it the coach? Is the, are other players, like, independently doing that? Um, I, I'm not I'm not entirely sure. Um, I have noticed that some team, uh, so, some team members um, tend to be more of the, like, all right, I drop back a little bit and I want to get the, the short pass, you know? Also, the, also the, the, the safer pass, basically, you know? The, the pass that don't, they were at it, where the possibility of turning over is very low yeah but that's um, when you have a mini favre in your ear maybe yeah maybe i think it's also so it also comes down to some of the um personalities or like like um pl player types um like let's say uh royce and sancho and even Brandt. i mean uh, like these guys tend to be more of the, you know, I, I drop back a few yards and, and I want to get the ball. I mean, especially Royce now, like when he plays as number 10 and, and things don't go well, like he drops back all the way, you know, a couple of yards right behind, right next to Hummels or something like that. <laughs> right behind Berkey. So 
no, but sometimes sometimes he does that really like it's also like a kind of a, a I'm the captain, I have to lead the team now thing. Uh, but it's also more than that, you know. It's like uh, Dortmund, they have what I would say is they have a lot of like let's say ball uh, pass passing playmakers, but they don't have the kind of the um, the playmakers like Erling Holland. There's not really a word for that, but Erling Holland, like he understands playmaking in terms of I break through a defense even if i if i'm not if i'm not in possession of the ball right now i'm, I'm trying to break through um that's, and that's kind that's of that's usually a, one of marco royce's biggest qualities though or used to no, be it's, it, but but his, his quality is more like he picks he picks the ball in a in a half space you know he turns around and then he breaks through that's true right but so, but, but usually but, but, usually you bind a, another player right what you're your kind of playmaking is I create this uh, a situation by moving into a space, right? This is what you're trying to say. Your off-the-ball run creates yeah. tri triggers your opponent to behave in a s certain way and that creates space for yourself or others, etc. This is what you're talking about, right? Yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, like, I think also um, one thing and I... I, I getting back to what i said earlier um is that one of the main issues is in my opinion that like dortmund are looking already in not not stable enough in the first phase of the build-up and there's kind of a there's a kind of a weariness or a kind of um nervousness about all and like you know then from the first phase stemming from the first phase all the way through like moving the ball across the field which means like if you are already nervous and you're already like kind of like wary about what's what's going to happen if like the the high, pre the high opponent is able to uh pressure you uh early on like then there's there's kind of a i think your your reflexes tell you all right we have to play it safe more more safely maybe um and i think you see that at times because other teams and like, i don't know bayern munich you know let's just take the best team that there is um but they usually can achieve is like they can have a kind of um where we they can be calm the first fate of build up but they also break the first line very e or quite easily quite easily not always but often and that gives you some more briefing space. Like, like now you gain confidence. All right, we broke through the first line. All right, things are going well. So we we left a couple of defenders behind us. All right, more 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 space for us, more freedom. You know, we can move around, we can maneuver around a, a, a better. Um, and also we see that we have early success because beating the first two three players uh, and breaking through gives you also the kind of confidence that you can do it again with the next line. Um, and I think. Like what Dortmund and Dortmund is not even like a team that there are teams like that have long spells of possession and they don't do anything with the possession. But with Dortmund is more like they have like spells of possession, but they are all often enough like razor edge close to um, losing the ball. So there, there is like a mixture of things um, that's uh, that's happening there, and I think that's really what what and also I think kind of. Past experience also hurts them in a way because they have conceded so many transition attack goals. They have conceded so many goals that were like where 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 they did defend badly. Um, so that's also something that you have to factor in in a way. So they they aren't really confident in their 
ball and their possession skills. Um, but on your end, they have a lot of possession. And I don't think they, there will be any changes about that. So unless they, like, you know, only in, in a few matches, they will have less possession, like against Bayern and maybe against um, uh, Gladbach or something, maybe. Um, interestingly enough, maybe last point is that, like, the, against Bayern Munich, in the match and it was a different it was a kind of a unique match and it was special um and of course Bayern is a different team and they they, they give you more you know they they offer you more at times but they usually they offer it and pull it pull it away in the in the best moment or in the kind of right moment um but they offer you more and like what Dortmund did they they were playing completely different um completely differently in, in in terms of like they had more long balls more deep runs um, kind of try to attack one side with deep balls and, and, and deep runs. And it worked, worked out well. Of course, different different match, different style. Bayern have a high line, so you have more, much more space to get behind the line. So that's not something you can just, you know, copy and paste and use against Frankfurt or something. Still, you could see that Dortmund are able to have a different kind of match, but um, they don't really have, like, the kind of tools to set up that match of course because they have lo- long spells of possession um so there's also something more of a strategic uh conundrum and i don't think they've uh will be able to solve that anytime soon as well yeah yeah that's true i mean uh it's also not surprising that uh, uh a very healthy amount of goals that Dortmund have scored this season actually uh, resulted from their counter pressing or uh, from opponents making mistakes uh, that they won position in the final third and then uh, hit them on a transition. Um, looking at the uh, player types that Dortmund do have, that's uh, not really surprising. But um, yeah, uh, I obviously would hope that they create even more from uh, open play and from their own position without the opponent messing up in, in, in that way. I mean, obviously, counter-pressing is always nice and if you can execute it well over 90 minutes, that's great. But uh, Dortmund... Um, while they press situationally, they don't really do that uh, as as threatening as other, other teams either, I would say. Um, I don't know what your assessment is, but uh, let's talk a little bit about the game uh, against Stuttgart, which is a home match against uh, Stuttgart, who are right now in 8th uh, with uh, 14 points, so they're 5 points off Dortmund. They have 3 wins, 5 draws and 2 losses to their name. Um, I think if I remember correctly, you predicted them to finish actually quite high in the table, or was that me uh, at the beginning? No, it of was the me. I actually remember that like Lars Lars was uh, kind of surprised or you know kind of snobbishly um, dismissing my pick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I have not seen much of Stuttgart this season, but I hear great things, especially of uh, Mister Endo. Um, so, Constantine, um, the biggest news going into this match and the biggest uh, news for Dortmund and their chances to win is obviously that uh, main man Gonzalo Castro is out with the suspension. Um, but obviously, otherwise, Stuttgart are also um, carrying a couple injuries into this game. So, um, Lucien Favre uh, called them extremely threatening and extremely dangerous, a very powerful uh, in attack, so uh, what can Dortmund expect, and what do you, what do the Black Inyos have to brace for, considering uh, their own sleeping pills in first halves? What <laughs> sleeping pills? Yeah, Dortmund always go out there no, like right. they're on a bunch of sleeping pills well, and then only wake yeah. up later. 
Well, I mean, at least they wake up at times. Something. <laughs> no, but um, like, like as you said, I, I rated Stuttgart highly uh, before the season. I mean, you can, like, now we can have a long debate, like, how good have they been uh, over the past, I don't know, eight, eight nine weeks. Uh, and maybe some, some people think, like, that they haven't been that great or that they were, like, um, because they are only, well, they know that they are eighth, you know, they are right there, um, I think, among the teams that are doing better for themselves i think you have like uh, more or less a cutoff at, at like 10th or 11th um also we we have to by the way we have to now is the perfect time to look at the expected goals numbers there's like a time window between match day six and match day 10 around that you know um where the expected goals numbers actually tell you a lot about the future performance of your team uh, we talked about that with uh, David Sumter, the um, the Socomatics, Mr. Socomatics, on our latest The Football Pod, by the way. Check it out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, <laughs> Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just shamelessly playing it's stuff. It's all right. That's, uh, yeah, that's... <laughs> no, but um, I, I think they had, they had a couple of draws, Stuttgart the, uh, being they. Uh, now they, they won their last match. They, they, they lost against Bayern, but that's all right. I mean, wh- whatever. Um, so... I, what I like about them is they 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 are let's say they are unpredictable but also predictable. So they have kind of a unique attacking system with a back three that's very f- uh, fluid. That's that's like moving around very fluidly. Um, they have uh, very high aggressive wing backs. I mean, Silas, for instance, is their is, is their right wing back right now. Koulibaly, who is also more of an attacking winger, was their left wing back in some matches. They're really like aggressive wing backs, not like the, the kind of like full backs that are just, you know, a little bit higher up the pitch. No, they have like really like ringers playing wide and they are all uh, despite having a back three. So that's also something. What you really can see is that... um is like they understand to you know to the extent of their uh, to the extent of their abilities they uh, understand how to move the ball very quickly very fluidly um through the first phase of build up um and that's also they are possible because they have very agile center backs you know someone like like Kemp for instance um Valdemar Anton can play centrally but he can also be uh, be one of the outside wing backs um so Pascal Stenzel former Dortmund player can also be one of the outside wing backs um so they they are really agile and mobile i should say mobile is more of the right word um and they understand how to move the ball quickly through the backline and then quickly into the the half spaces because uh, you mentioned Castro and especially Castro sometimes the Davi if he's like fit and in, uh, not injured and he's like he's like playing well because he, he had like good good couple of weeks and then not so much uh, but Castro even Mangala or Koulibaly like there are usually two attacking players who are really uh, who are really occupying the half spaces and like with determination um, they do it and they exactly find out where they can be to be outside um the the basically outside the center midfield but still like um at, at, a, at a point where when they receive the ball they can still go through the middle uh, and Castro has been quite good at uh doing that so he usually plays on the, on the left side the left side of center midfielder in the left half space and he has done things right 
beautifully um, when Stuttgart were in, in the first second build-up phase, whatever you want to call it. Um, and then you go from there, you know, that like they, they go wide or they go j- just through the middle. Kalajic, their center forward, is you know, your typical like large uh, center forward playing a lot of layoff passes, um, hard to defend. He's not he's not like prawn or something. He's not, like a lot of muscles on him. But um, he is very tall and like lengthy, and it's really hard to get around him if he, you know, if he protects the ball quite well, and he usually does that. So, and then he, he plays these layoffs for someone like Mangala, also former Dortmund player, um, who who then is uh, dynamic enough to move uh, as or to act as the second wave basically, and and pick up some of these layoffs. Um, same for Castro, same for Kulibali recently, or Klimovic or so. What uh, maybe the last point I want to make is. Uh, they had. They have also a couple of injuries. What I, what what's interesting about Stuttgart is they don't really have like a lot of uh, let's say um, automatic starting players. Kalajic is one right now because Gonzalez is injured and like Kalajic is their only. I mean, Gonzalez also played on left side a lot, but Kalajic is their only like real center forward right now. So maybe he, Endo, of course, um, Silas, more yeah probably, uh, but. They move around a lot of pieces. You know, you have a lot of players who are on the same level. So the back line, for instance, you never know what's the lineup at the back. Can be like there can be like five, six, seven different variations of a back three. Uh, also in terms of personnel, because as I mentioned, like Anton can play centrally, but he can also play wide. Kempf same. So Kaminski the same. So you got all these different options, and that's also that makes it harder for um, op- you know the opponents' coaches uh, to figure out beforehand what they are trying to do and who will play where, because that's also something you have to uh, factor in account. And when when you do like your your pre-match analysis, um, so that's also something that works really in, f- in favor of Stuttgart. Um, and overall, they just play attractive football more or less. I think you know, give or take. Um, I think, but it's it's usually it's usually very, uh, pretty attractive. Um, that's also something I think a lot of fans right now, Bundesliga fans, neutral fans, like about the team. Um, because yeah, we have also Augsburg or something um, or Mainz, and like they do the, quite the opposite. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, there are not. Uh, that many teams that are easy on the eyes in the Bundesliga, but uh, Stuttgart seems to be one of them. I haven't actually uh, seen much of them, sadly, so far. So um, yeah, I don't, I can't really say much. Um, but what I can obviously say is how many players uh, are not fit for Dortmund, which is obviously Arling Haaland, who is in Qatar right now. Um, we can talk about this in a second if you want. Uh, Muni Kanji are out, and Schmelzer obviously still recovering from the knee surgery he had. Doubtful are uh, Rafael Guerrero. Um, Delaney has back problems. Dahoud is out with an illness. Or actually doubtful as well. Morey, Hummel, Saza all are nursing muscular problems. Um, and it's not entirely sure whether they will play or not. So um, yeah, I can't really give you much of a prediction who will play for Dortmund. It's probably going to be the uh, partnership of Witzel and Bellingham in midfield. And then we could see a back three uh, consisting of Jan. Zagadou and Piszczek. Now, uh, if that's your back three and uh, say your fullbacks are Schulz and Paslak, Konstantin, how do you see, and you've talked about the first phase of the build-up uh, quite a lot, 
how do you see this Dortmund team to get any kind of build-up going uh, in the way they usually want to play? And do, do you think that they can find success in scoring opportunities uh, with this sort of uh, yeah framework for their uh, attacking players? I, I guess they can. Um, I... I mean, I, I, don't view, I don't view Stuttgart as like the 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 team that's un, unbeatable now. You know, I, I hype them up a little bit. Um, yes. So, and do, do, so do, do you think that that John mm. and Pischek do behave in a way that they leave the line often? Uh, and and do you think Zagadou or, or John will be the anchor in, in in this? How how do you think this back three? I think we've we've seen a little bit in action against St. Petersburg, but how how do you think? They they should behave against against Stuttgart and do you foresee that Passlock and Schulz, uh, yeah, garner any sort of creativity? No, no, I I, I think you're I, I actually like I like the John Sagadu combination. I don't know really about the like if if Hummel's really out. Um, I'm not sure. It's, it's hard for me. Like I I I wouldn't like a, a like let's say a center back pairing. I, I, let's let's put it that way. I think John and Zagadou can both work very well in the in the back three. Although I have to say I have to be a bit critical uh, of of John as of late. Uh, I liked like the the first few weeks of the season uh, where he was somewhat like quote unquote crazy uh, with his with his um at um progressive runs. Um, but recently I don't know who, who what, someone texted me recently and like asked like is is John trunk or something because like he was just. I know it's you're just all over the place, you know, uh, physically and mentally, uh, apparently. Um, so, but I think still they can they can have these progressive runs. Um, just the biggest issue is like who uh, gives them the, the security there. So, and I, I wouldn't li I don't like them as a center back pairing. Um, I mean, with what uh, the kicker still reports that like Hummels will be playing. I hope so, um, but I'm not sure. Of course. Um, so if he's not playing, then it. Uh, I mean, you 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 need Chan in the middle and like Piszczek in there. So we have Piszczek, Chan, Zagadou as a, as a backline. All right. Um, congrats. That will be probably fun. <laughs> um, because even like Delaney was like one of the options for the back three, right? Recently, but he's also out with back problems. So all yeah, right. he's doubtful. Uh, so he could he could make it doubtful, too, but, but who knows? Who knows? But but like, he hasn't played in a while, so um. You know, it's also like, is it really the right uh, match to to bring him in? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess uh, Chan would be like the default option for the for the Hummels role then. Um, but I'm not, I'm not. As I said, like I'm, I'm have to be critical of Chan because he has he has been all over the place in some of these matches. So there's also not a, like a, not a not not a, a like a preset to to play as in the Hummels role. Um, which is more of the you know I have to sit sit back a little bit and um, you know or oversee things more or less as the as the um, anchor of the defense. I don't know if like John is able to do that right now, but I mean he more or less is forced to do that unless you unless you try something out with Witzel or something. Um, but I'm not sure about that. So I I, I guess as I said like I like the saga do John pairing or like pairing, but like these two playing in a back three. Um, I like especially Sagadu um, with his advanced or his progressive runs, or if he does some of them. I think that's also something you can do against Stuttgart. Um, I think, in, I think in rather you must 
honestly if if you if you say they have such advancing uh fullbacks uh if 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 you have Schultz and Paslak staying back and and you pass to them and they get pressured I don't I don't think that Dortmund will have much of a chance considering how yeah. how prone they are to lose the ball in exactly that position and um you you, you said it already a little bit but uh, you know I want to highlight again when Dortmund lose the ball at their fullback position their center backs are usually not well organized in a sense uh, in 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 regard to where the opponent strikers usually run and and play so um that spacing is sometimes a bit all over the place and uh, i haven't even mentioned yet that uh, dortmund's uh, defensive midfielders or the double pivot sometimes also stands on one line and uh, Yeah, it it can get really awkward. So I really hope that Dortmund don't try to build uh, from from just the the the, the uh, center back or, or the back line and then pass it to the fullback and lose it there. I I'm more hoping that they have one twos or something like that with their fullbacks and then rely more on the center back moving out of that back line to pass it forward. That's what I'm hoping much more Dortmund can do and and maybe find uh, their attacking players in the half spaces that way because. If I look at Schulz and Passlack, I don't trust them uh, to to make these progressive runs and passes right now. So I'm I'm more looking at at John Zagadou and Pischek to do that. So um, that's just that's just my two cents here. But uh, yeah, uh, if yep. if I look at this game, this is this is how I want Dortmund to to play it and what the what the scheme A should be for the build up method. Totally. Yep. I guess. I mean, we're. Um, but, but I think that it's like, if you look at the Frankfurt, for instance, you got also, Frankfurt had a couple of weak spots, and they didn't really capitalize on these weak spots, so, um, yeah. yeah. I'm, 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 I'm more or less, like, hesitant to now make a judgment if, if Dortmund are able to do any of that. So. <laughs> All right, fair enough. So, um... It's like, I mean, what, what you, like, like, we can't hype Dortmund right now, like, they, they, they have let us down too often, recently. Yeah, no, I I, th I think the next three games against Stuttgart, Bremen and Union Berlin will be uh, rather problematic for Dortmund just in the sense that uh, their form has really dipped and I just don't see it quickly recovering, especially with the barrage of injuries right now. Um, so Arling Haaland is chilling away in uh, Qatar right now. Um, Konstantin, why do you think he is uh, going there instead of uh, letting himself tr uh, treat by the uh, Dortmund team doctors? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, uh, we 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 just discussed it before the show, right? I mean, that's <laughs> like I I read ahead, or I mean, uh, I read a couple of things about it, but um, we, there are, there are a couple of things we said before the show we shouldn't say now <laughs> on the air. Yeah, I think the German word is justiziables. <laughs> We're just yes, yes, yes. Uh, so um, nope. Um, yeah. So uh, so what's what's basically going on? I mean, the people, of course, the, the listeners to this show, the show, you know, the, the avid Dortmund fans, of course, know that that he uh, pulled a hamstring. Um, so, but not in his in his uh, thigh, but in his uh, hip, basically. So, um, and now they flew him to Qat uh, Qatar to do their uh, rehabilitation and stuff like there. Um, I mean, there's. Like basically, what they try to do is, uh, or they what they say is that um, that it was his wish to do it there, but they don't really say anything more about it. 
Yeah, you know what I mean? that no, he like, will adhere to hygiene protocols, read the code. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, that's like yeah, of course, the, the usual blah blah. You know, but but like it's it was it was uh, here here's here's the quote. I was just sorry, sorry, I was rambling a little bit because I was looking for the Mihi uh, Sok quote um, here. It was his wish to do the uh, the reha the rehabilitation there. Um, he is surrounded by our experts. You no, know, he's surrounded by experts who are in close exchange with our medical staff. Um, that's why we fulfilled or we granted his wish, his wish, so Holland's wish. So I don't know. I mean, it's 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 kind of a little bit weird because like Holland is like uh, going to Sorg or going to to Favre. All right, I want to do you know rehab um, in Qatar. I mean, it would be, if it would be like Norway or something. I would, all right, get it, you know, um, or maybe you know the UK where he grew up or something for whatever reason. I'm like all right, he's going to Qatar. Why? Because of all the great stuff he can do there. What, what's going on? Um, yeah. So also, Talk said that uh, we expect him to, uh, as you said, obey hygiene r- rules, and also that he will be that we will be back here before Christmas. Also, I, I like how he said uh, "aufschlägt" in German. It's not like arrive here. It's more like all right. He, <laughs> I know. I don't know how do you translate "aufschlägt," but it's it's kind of funny. <laughs> Yeah, I got nothing. So, um, yeah, it's like it's street, it's street language, basically. Yeah. So uh, we'll 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 see how how he romps back into town, I guess. Um, but um, who should replace uh, Harland now up top? Uh, we have seen Marco Royce, we've seen Julian Brandt, we have seen Torgen Hazard, and uh, for one full half in Frankfurt, we have seen Mokoku. Uh, out of the four, uh, knowing that Hazard may or may not be injured, who knows? Uh, who do you pick against Stuttgart? Um, I mean, I would probably go with, uh, of course, I mean, like a Reina, uh, still Sancho, all of well, whatever, uh, Arena Sancho. <sighs> I would actually try Reina Sancho Mukuku. There you go. All right, it's it's a solid lineup. Uh, why? <laughs> I mean, it's a solid lineup. It's like just the, just the, the Mukuku thing is. I mean, you, you 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 know what would be going on if he's starting. So, but yeah, I mean, why not? Um, I think he's still like Mukuku is still their best option up front. It's not Prunt. <laughs> um, it's it's certainly not Royce. Um, it's cert- it's certainly certainly not Sancho. Um, and it's also not Reina. He's more available. Uh, in a in a somewhat deeper role, so yeah, I would probably go with um, these three. And I mean, pff, yeah, in a way, I mean, they they didn't sign anyone as a Holland backup in summer, and we all expected him to you know trust Mukuku. So there you go. Now is now is the time. All right, to trust him. All right. So you're benching. And, and also one last thing, maybe because I I did a couple, of, as I said, I did a couple of profiles on him and I talked to a lot of people that that coached him in the past there were there were coaches who said like he has to be smart about you know where he where he moves on the pitch that he isn't in this in these kind of physical battles with defenders especially with like uh, where you're you know strong defenders because he will be pushed around otherwise um but I think like Stuttgart with, with like Anton or some or maybe maybe Kempf, they don't have like these these highly physical or like highly you know these rough defenders. So I believe that um, there's a there's a good chance that that uh, he he isn't pushed around. So there you go. Okay. All right. 
So you're benching Royce, Hazard, and Brandt all together? No. What? No. Royce, Sancho. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Yeah. Royce is out. I'm sorry about it. It's all right. Uh, it's not uh, like he has done too many to things in the recent games where you would say we absolutely need Marco Royce. As sad as it is, I, I, I think uh, Favre or, or was it talk? Either one of them said that he's still sort of uh, trying to get back into form after his uh, long-term injury. And uh, yeah, we can. I, I think we can see that. Uh, Julian Brandt's also a bit of an enigma right now, and uh, Hazard is always someone who who can play, but obviously. Uh, if he's injured uh, or, or uh, on the verge of an injury, maybe also just bench him because of that. And Sancho and Reyna don't have that many minutes that uh, they need to recuperate a lot right now. So, um, yeah, that could be a go for, for me as well. So that, that should be or could be maybe a lineup. And, uh, yeah, I, I think both Reyna and Sancho are also a little bit on the upswing when it comes to form. So I would like them to... Uh, uh, approve that and reaffirm that a little bit if if possible yeah so anything else we need to say about this game or uh, shall we end it here and you can plug your podcast one more time no there's nothing else to say alright then uh, thank you very much Constantine. Uh who scored I think predicted a 2-1 Stuttgart win uh, what's what's your pick for this game um, uh, more like a two-run Dortmund. You know, let's stay positive here. All right, all right. Yeah, since uh, I already committed to a Dortmund win, hence uh, I will also <laughs> say two-one Dortmund because uh, Gonzalo Castro is uh, out, and I think Stuttgart have scored in every of their ten games this season, so it's hard to predict them uh, not scoring against Dortmund. Um, so I'll I'll, I'll stick with the two-one housewife tip as well. So yeah. As always, thank you very much for coming on and uh, shedding a bit more light behind the curtain. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so please tell our listeners where to find you and your new podcast with uh, Abel Messeros. Yeah, they can find me on Twitter um, at cc underscore ECKNER. Um, as always, um, also they, they can find almost all the stuff I do. Um, they German listeners can, of course, check out my YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash Eckner. Um, and, of course, check out our new podcast, The Football Pod. Um, recently, we released an episode uh, with David Sumter, the you know mathematician, football consultant, um, st statistical expert. Um, so The Football Pod is available you know, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, also on Patreon and on YouTube, by the way. Um, if you want to donate to the uh, to the yellow wall pod, uh, please send these um, messages to me. My DMs are always open to you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So otherwise, you can direct everything at Stefan Butzko on Twitter, and uh, obviously, at don't do that. At yellow wall pod uh, is our Twitter handle and Facebook handle. And if you want to read our written content, go to theyellowwall.net. If you want to contribute financially, go to patreon.com slash theyellowwall. And if you want to subscribe to the show in all the various means and forms, you can do that also via YouTube, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, etc. So, Constantine, uh, once again, thank you for coming on and spending a happy hour talking the old Borussia and... 
everyone else out there, stay safe and thank you for listening. Goodbye.